Hi, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Two Teaspoons of Positivity. The date is the 19th of February and the time is 10.46pm EST. Now, uh, before I begin, I would like to apologize for the for missing an episode, essentially. For, for missing an upload, I was recovering from mild food poisoning and... Uh, happy Valentine's Day, I guess, to everyone. And thank you so much for listening to the Rogue episode. I I, I put a lot of effort into that. So, thank you. That that means a lot. Anyway, uh, let's get to our stories today. So, a campaign launched to make Scotland... A campaign was launched to make Scotland a rewilding nation. Huh. Okay, uh, it says here that the sometimes bleak but always beautiful highlands are what many people imagine when they think of Scotland. Yet the country's iconic scenery is really a picture of deprivation. In times gone, in times gone by, those undulating uplands were typically carpeted with trees. Oh, okay. So what they're saying is that when you think of Scotland, you see, we tend to imagine hills and just vast stretches of land and not many people <laughs> but that's not exactly the most accurate representation of scotland or at least uh, scottish topography because those the vast stretches of land usually used to be covered with forest and now they're not so a campaign was launched this week and it aims to roll back the years to the point where Scotland had more trees than it does people, I guess. I should, I should, oh God, it's, I should not um, bash on Scotland so much. <laughs> I apologize for that. I sincerely apologize for that. It's, it's, uh, I guess it's a habit. I don't know what it is, but I'm ashamed of it. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so the campaign was launched, uh, and this campaign called Rewilding Nation, it calls on the Scottish government to commit to rewilding 30% of the country's land and sea within a decade. So it's 2021. <laughs> I had to check that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the rewilding nation calls on Scottish government to commit to rewilding 30% of the country's land and sea by 2031 yeah 2031 as you can see i'm still recovering (laughs) it comes as a poll revealed that 76 percent of scots support rewinding okay we have a statement here from steve mickelwright of the scottish rewilding alliance he stated that scotland has the opportunity to show bold leadership by becoming the world's first rewilding nation. We have the space, political influence and public backing to become a world leader in saving nature and ourselves. Hmm. This is an interesting story because not is it not only is it a positive one, it's it also um, I feel like it also hints at uh, this divide that has been between Scotland and the UK. I, I don't know how to talk about it without su- sounding divisive, but 
the first thing that I remembered after reading this story was uh, the Prime Minister's what was it? The Prime Minister's tweet. Uh, she said that uh, she said she said something about keeping the lights on and that we'll return. So Scotland wants to be a part of the EU, but it's a part of the UK. So and leaving it could have uh, a lot of complications for everyone. But I feel like uh, Scotland could maybe use its current position to uh, to convince other um, to convince Wales, Northern Ireland, and England to essentially come over to the to the side, not to join the EU, but to um, what do you call it? To adopt uh, greener practices at least there's there is a lot about this issue that i don't really know so i'm hesitant to say anything but yeah though this is this is a really good story i'd like to see uh, a, tr a better image of scotland at least because yeah that that does kind of bother me at times when people think of uh, when people think of scotland and they just don't mention forests anyway uh, let's move on so our next story uh, says that gas guzzling SUVs near the end of the road hmm. from farmland runaround to football or fashion accessory the rise of the 4x4 has been disastrous for the environment uh, analysis is company i believe or it's a think tank think tank god damn it uh, what is i don't know what it is yeah i don't know what it is i think okay so i it's it's i think it's a it's an arm of iea what is iea i sincerely apologize for the digressions but i feel like at this point it's par for the course oh it's the international energy agency okay so the IEA conducted a study which suggested that SUVs were second only behind the energy sector as the biggest driver of global emissions increases between 2010 and 2018. So yeah, that makes sense. I mean, between 2010 and 2018, the level of technology, the disparity between the level of technology like I, I believe flip phones were the biggest thing in 2010 like i could be wrong about this but yeah and now we i think we've sent yet another probe uh to mars perseverance right i know those things aren't like those things aren't exactly connected but okay uh, how do i explain this but I mean, I get. I think you guys get the point. But I feel like I should explain more. Okay, so in two thousand ten, um, flip phones were the biggest thing, and in two thousand, that's in two thousand in this year, twenty twenty one. What's the big thing? <laughs> I don't even know. God damn. I think. Uh, wireless vr headsets oculus uh, oculus rift i believe 
So yeah, we went from flip phones to this. And it just shows how technology grows exponentially. So <clears throat> I understand that uh, the energy sector being a big uh, driver of global emissions, but that was that was only because the te the technology hadn't evolved to the point where it could uh, neutralize the emissions, and now it is. I mean, even if it's it's almost there, but it, yeah, it's a lot better than it was before. Anyway, let's move on. Um, okay, so the study conducted by the International Energy Agency, it says that one of the leading uh, Chelsea tractor manufacturers, the Jaguar Land Rover, it announced this week that its entire range will be electric by 2030, with the UK government with the UK government planning the sale of new petrol and diesel cars at the end of the decade. The firm had little choice. Nevertheless, the move is a win for the climate. Hmm. I, uh, okay, it's, it, it feels like walking, at, walking a tightrope when I'm addressing this issue, mostly because of what happened um, in Texas and how people are blaming uh, renewable energy. That's not the case. But yeah, the point I'm trying to get at is that setting aggressive ideas, setting aggressive goals is good. But I feel like companies, um, and this is I think only limited to companies. Companies tend to do this thing where they set aggressive goals, and then they're not able to achieve it, or they achieve like a portion of it, and they oversell it. So. I hope that uh, the Jaguar Land Rover is able to com go completely electric by 2030. Because as we saw in Texas, the, the, mm, the facilities that suffered the most and were unable to produce energy or, uh, water or function properly were the ones that were driven by uh, non-renewable sources such as coal and thermal power plants and stuff like that. Coal and fossil fuels, sorry. Uh, coal and fossil fuels. So, thermal power plants um, and st stuff like that, they were not able to produce energy because of the coal. <laughs> Whereas uh, the renewable energy, the renewable energy sector in Texas, uh, specifically windmills, they were not windmills. Ah, what am I talking about? Wind turbines. Okay. Wind turbines uh, produced a lot more. They did have, they did hold up the end of their bargain. And the reason that they malfunctioned was only because that they were not equipped to handle such uh, frigid temperatures. That's the entire story. And the people who are currently in powerful positions they are they are hard pressed to accept facts because that would mean um, getting chopped off but that would mean chopping off their um, benefactors specifically people in the golden uh, fossil fuel industry but yeah that's that's that is a huge digression. I sincerely apologize for that. No, this is this is a good thing. I am glad that 
gas guzzling SUVs and 4x4. 4x4s are nearing the end of the road, but yeah, uh, cars that use uh, fossil fuels are nearing the end. Like I, I think the first car that I will buy will hopefully be an electric one. I haven't bought one yet. <laughs> and it's good, uh, it's good news. Like the Cybertruck is, I think, a bold step in that direction. And I hope that other, car other cars are able to follow suit. <clears throat> because, okay, I shouldn't waste too much time on this story, man. But I want to talk more about this. This is interesting. There's just too many thoughts in my head. So let's just move on. But this is good news. I was wondering whether they'll uh, change the design. Because what, st what stands out uh, in, the in the case of the Cybertruck, what stands out is the fact that, not the fact that it's electric, but the fact that it looks wonky. It looks like something a child drew when they were in school or something. I mean, that's not a bad thing. But yeah, the first thing that um, I was worried about were the side view mirrors. That thing does not have side view mirrors. <laughs> it is a stupid thing to worry about. Not exactly when you are driving. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next story. Uh, Dr. Nkozi Okonjo Iwiala. I hope I pronounced that right. I, I checked the name on YouTube as well. Uh, so, Dr. Ngozi Okonjo Iwala was appointed the head of the WTO. So, the reason uh, she has a doctorate in economics, I believe. She is Nigerian American and she is the first female and the first African leader of the World Trade Organization. Uh, it was announced this week uh, that her term will begin in March. Many commentators say that the organization is in need of reform. Uh, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, Dr. Konjo Ibiala is a proven trailblazer. In 2003, she became the first woman to serve as Nigeria's finance minister, a position that she held twice. Her CV also include, includes a 25-year tenure at the World Bank, where she was credited with spearheading initiatives to assist low-income countries. Hmm. Konjai Viala's work to tackle corruption in Nigeria is widely believed to have prompted the 2012 kidnapping of her then 82-year-old mother, okay. Uh, she said that kidnappers demanded that she resign from her post as finance minister. She refused and her mother was released five days later, okay. <laughs> that is, this is, um, this is an interesting story because it, it, it's, Clearly, a, a, it's a callback to what I said before. Like, we need more, um, we need more diversity, or diversity, in such uh, organizations, and we need more women, and or no, we need more women in powerful positions because, like, as a man, <laughs> I don't like making this point again and again. But on the off chance that someone new is listening, hi, welcome, thank you for tuning in. Okay, so, I'm a guy. <laughs> ah, oh god, I feel so stupid. That is a very stupid observation. Yes, I'm a guy. And my interactions with the world are 
significant a significant portion of my interactions with the world are based on the fact that I have that Y chromosome, right? So I see the world differently. The world sees me differently, and our interactions are very different as compared to someone who does not have that Y chromosome. So the what what res, the result of that is that I and other people who have that Y chromosome, when they are in positions of power, they are not able to see problems. So they are not able to see they are not able to see certain problems because of the way the world interacts with them. Because the world sees that Y chromosome more than anything else, right? So and at the end of the day you can't solve problems that you don't see. So you need women in power, you need someone who does not have that Y chromosome, who has knowledge and experience with such problems, who can help guide your decisions or who can help make uh, make those decisions that solve problems that you don't see because it's stuff like that that's way more lethal than the problems that you do see I, I was going to compare it to cancer but that's a little too intense appropriate but intense so congratulations to Dr. Ngozi Okonjo-Iwala I sincerely apologize if I messed up the pronunciation and I hope more people follow in her footsteps okay so our next story comes from the US and I can I can understand that people have this um, apprehension whenever any story from the US comes out but no, this is this is good news that the US has officially rejoined the Paris Agreement. Just 107 days after it left. <laughs> the move is mostly symbolic and was described by Friends of the Earth as an easy first step for the Biden administration. Uh, Friends of the Earth is an is a non-government or it's either a non-government or a non-profit organization. I'm forgetting. I apologize for that. Nonetheless, having the world's second biggest emitter back at the table is undoubtedly positive news in the race to reduce emissions. We have a statement here from Karen Ornstein. Ornstein? I, I apologize for not being able to pronounce this. Rejoining the Paris Agreement is the right move for the United States. She also said that President Biden must follow through on his commitment to do more by centering environmental justice in his approach to the climate, climate crisis globally. This is good news because it's not just because the second biggest emitter is back on the table back at the table it's also because i've noticed that people tend to imitate what the us is doing i think the worst example of this was uh, the coup in myanmar the reason they pulled it off the reason they said that they initiated it, the military, the reason the military said they initiated it was because they cited voter fraud. Now, <laughs> I feel like everyone knows where, that's, where that excuse originated or where that excuse was popularized. So that's one among many examples of how nations tend to follow what the US is doing. And this is something I, I learned in a very personal manner. So I don't know how many how many of um, whoever's listening 
knows about MUNs, also known as Model United Nations, something that kids worry about. Not something that adults usually worry about. But yeah, I, I think I've only participated in one. And I was a member of the... Okay, so essentially it's like mock parliament. So you kids get to um, research on various topics. And they get to act as delegates representing countries. And it has... Um, it, it it's like a UN but for kids I mean the tack the issues they tackle are very mature but yeah it's it's for kids essentially and they try to follow all procedures as best as possible even though like I said that because a lot of kids just tend to pass notes uh, passing notes is I think somewhat procedure procedural but yeah they, they they tend to write stupid stuff <laughs> i i know a guy who got a date doing this he's passed notes to all to everyone to every girl in the general assembly like anyway i sincerely apologize for the digression okay so i was a part of the historic security council so it's the security council but the issue that it was tackling had happened in the past now so the issue at this particular uh, hsc was the war of afghanistan i believe yeah so the whole story was that the ussr was crumbling so it reached out to afghanistan and afghanistan's government and then they uh, collaborated and started to the USSR started to spread into Afghanistan's territory and the people didn't like that so the people rebelled and the US got wind of that and it supplied the rebel it supplied the rebels with uh, funding uh, weapons maybe in training I'm not sure but yeah and the USSR and the US were beefing at the time so that move was not appreciated by the USSR and an all-out proxy war um, was kicked off in Afghanistan. Fun fact, uh, one of the guys who was uh, who was in the rebel outfit was Osama bin Laden. So essentially, <laughs> the US helped create Osama bin Laden. It's, it's funny how the world works. Anyway, uh, the point I was getting at was that I was uh, I was the delegate uh, I was offered the delegation of Mexico which and it was my first time and I was so scared <laughs> not because I yeah it was not just because I had to do a lot of public speaking and stuff which I didn't <laughs> but also because I did some research on on Mexico as well. I read up on the issue. I prepared a speech that I was going to that I was going to read out on the first day, and then I thought, you know what, maybe I should read up on Mexico as well, and I did. And turns out, when this was happening, Mexico was in recession, and that heightened my fear so much because I was imagining 
that I'll be giving speeches and um, making an argument and making a case for myself and why the bloodshed must stop and why both the US and the USSR should remove their troops from Afghanistan. And I was so scared that someone was going to uh, someone was going to get up and tell everyone that I have no right to do that as a delegate of Mexico. I have no right to call on countries to move out of certain territories, especially when my economic my nation's economic conditions are so horrible. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the overthinking is. It has been a very big part of my life. <laughs> it feels so bad. Okay. What was the point that I... Oh, right. Huh. Um, uh, the point that I like, wanted to make was the, delega- the, the delegation from the United States was a guy who was six foot two and slightly overweight. And... He, I, I sat next to him on the first day. I was my seat was assigned to him on the first uh, assigned next to him on the first day, and I asked him like, you you are representing a nation that is very much embroiled in this crisis. So, what are your plans? And he's like, bruh, I just I, I got the email like last night. I don't even know what we're talking about, and I I face palmed so hard. <laughs> Because this guy is clearly, I mean, I don't know if that was a bit or whether he was genuine about that. But yeah, that was quintessential. <laughs> that, was quintu- that was quintessential United States. And that, that's, the, that's the part that made me sad. Like, people saw him not giving, not, not caring about the issue. And... They followed suit. They just stopped caring. Like people didn't even. Uh, some people just came on the first day. They didn't. So M U N goes for three days, right? They just came on the first day. They didn't come after that. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're not going to invest our time in this. We invested our money, but we're not going to invest our time in this. Oh God, I feel bad. Okay, uh, I apologize for ruining the mood. But and the point I was trying to make was positive. <laughs> That the fact that U.S. joined and the fact that the U.S. will try to uh, achieve all the goals they have set for themselves in the Paris Agreement will uh, motivate other countries to follow suit. That's that's the other good thing about the Paris Agreement that com- uh, countries get to set their own goals and achieve them according to their time limits and not being able to do that only leads to a little bit of shaming from other nations no sanctions uh, or anything harsh so it's a very uh, it's a very lenient agreement anyway uh, let's move on to i believe our second last story for the day no just like three more stories to go yeah okay so a super plant was found to absorb air pollution uh, it says here that after revealing that front gardens in the UK are getting greener following years of neglect, scientists at the Royal Horticultural Society, the RHS, had more positive news this week. They have 
right? They have identified a super plant that can suck up air pollution. Hmm. The uh, okay, the bushy cottonista franchetil, no franchetti, originally found in Asia, is at least twenty percent more effective at soaking up, soaking up particulate pollution than other shrubs. Hmm. I don't know what this plant is called. I mean, I know the scientific name. I don't know what it's called. I'll try to find that. Let me just. <laughs> God, I have the attention of a child. Attention span of a child. Uh, but what is it called? It's just a cottony stuff. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, local name. Let's see. Common name. Ah, uh, yeah. It's it's just called the grey cottony stuff or the orange cottony stuff. It's an evergreen to semi-evergreen shrub that typically grows. 10 inches tall with cane-like upright arching branches. It is native to southwestern China, Myanmar, and northern northern Thailand. Okay. Uh, we have a statement here from a horticultural scientist at the RHS. They stated that we know that in just seven days. One meter length of the well-managed dense hedge will mop up the same amount of pollution that a car emits over a 500-mile drive. That is a lot. We estimate that the Cottonista Franchetti traps 20% more emissions than other hedges we have tested. So it would be ideal along busy roads in pollution hotspots. That is interesting. So yeah, it's uh, C O T O N E A S T E R. Uh, it's one word. I'm sharing that so that people can hopefully buy or somehow get their hands on this and plant these in in a pot in your room or in your hanging garden or wherever. Yeah, you don't have to invest in uh, air purifiers anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm glad that uh, they've discovered this, and I'm guessing the next step would be to try some hybridization and bump up that twenty percent to or forty percent or something like that. That's nice. It, it looks like something I can eat. <laughs> I should say that. Oh God. <laughs> but yeah, it really looks. It it looks like um, it looks like a cross between tomatoes and jalapenos. It, it's small and red, but it's also not um, like elong. It's not elongated exactly. Yeah, it's it's somewhere between a tomato and a jalapeno. Anyway, let's move on to our next story. Uh, toy swapping app has surged in popularity. So this toy sharing app called Young Planet, it enables. Oh, okay, it's only limited to the UK. Let me just. No, I will check later. I have wasted too much time. 
uh, Young Planet is an app. It enables parents in the UK to share unwanted playthings with families that need them. It was launched last summer and the app has passed the milestone of 25,000 downloads this week. So far, it has found a few homes, or it has found new homes for more than 8,500 items. It has reduced demand for new toys and has saved many old ones from entering landfill. That is a really good initiative. Uh, the co-founder of this, Jason Ash, he had a statement. He said, although our primary goal is to help families become greener, Young Planet is also helping parents receive items that they couldn't otherwise afford in these tumultuous times. That is amazing. That is a really good story. I still have... So... I, I, I think the first time I heard about this was in Polar Express. <laughs> it was in the movie Polar Express. God, that movie was like my few. Yeah, it was. In, it released in two thousand four. I saw it like a year later or something. I remember, I saw it when my brother was born. My brother was born in two thousand. No, when my brother was two years old. Yeah, he was born in two thousand three. Yeah, I saw it in two thousand five. So there's this scene in which uh, Tom Hanks, the train conductor talks to this girl and he and he says something about re-bicycling <laughs> he's talking about refurbishing toys and giving them re-gifting them or recycling them good initiative and that was the first time i heard about it and that kind of made me want to save whatever toys i had i didn't have that many but the other ones i had were taking up a lot of space i still take up a lot of space because I haven't given them away. <laughs> because the reason I didn't give them away was because of Toy Story. <laughs> I felt so bad. Ah, God, Disney. What is wrong with you? Anyway, this is a good initiative. If you have toys that you don't, um, you don't use anymore, or you want to get rid of them, so you can maybe use the Young Planet app. If it works in your country. Okay, let's move on to our last story for the day. A league table of purpose-led companies was published. What? Okay, so an annual ranking of organizations this week revealed the best purpose-led companies to work for in 2021. And the good news is that most of them have vacancies. The list was compiled by Escape the City, a career site that rated 8,000 global organizations in a number of areas, including social impact, environmental concern, and employee engagement. Dom Jackman, the founder of Escape the City, issued a statement saying that this list has been designed to rank organizations on the metrics that really matter. What are they doing to save the planet? How, are they, how do they look after their people? What problems are they solving? Hmm. This is good. I like this. I'll check it out. Although I don't think I've used Escape the City. I used different ones. I used different career sites. But yeah, this is. Uh, I don't uh, know how big. Uh, how big Escape the City is. Because if it's big enough then this can be potentially damaging for companies 
or at least their reputations and images. That's good because that will force them to um, either re uh, innovate, reinnovate, or find new ways to uh, appeal to the broader base and maybe do something uh, towards tackling climate change and stuff like that. So it's good news. I'm glad they did it. And yeah, if you want, if you're looking for a job, you can go to Escape the City. I am starting to realize that it this particular episode seems to have a lot of plugs, even though I'm not sponsored by any of them. <laughs> oh God. See, this is what happens when this is what happens when I take too many breaks. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was it. That was that was the whole slew of stories for this week. That was nice. We we talked about Scotland, Scotland's rewilding campaign. We talked about SUVs, um, gas fueled SUVs. Nearing the end of the road, we talked about. Dr. Ngozi Okonjo Ikiaga. Yeah. And then the US rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. Superplant. Toy swapping up. Planet. Young Planet. And Escape the Cities list. That's a lot of good things that happen in a matter of seven days. Well, 14 days, I guess. But yeah, it's still, it's good news. Anyway. Uh, Thank you. Uh, that's it for our segment. Two teaspoons of positivity. I would like to thank the one person listening to this. Genuinely, like you've helped a lot more than you give yourself credit for. And I hope that the the mic didn't pick up. My <laughs> I when I was saying this, my tummy started rumbling, and I really hope that the mic didn't pick up. <laughs> pick it up <clears throat> anyway uh, yeah thank you so much for tuning in and now i am going to tune out bye bye